Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais with another episode of the Yacking Show Business Channel. This is a show that brings you interesting and expert guests to give you actionable tips and ideas to help your business thrive and survive in the interesting times we're heading into. We always do that with interesting guests on the show, but today is a little bit different. It's the second episode of a uh, interview with four collaborative authors, and I'm not going to steal Kathleen's thunder, but I'm just going to say that all six of us on the screen were brought together with many other experts by Mark Schaefer, who's one of the most brilliant marketing guys in the world and acknowledged as such through his Rise community, which he started on Discord. And it's been an incredible experience to be part of that journey. And that's what led us to the project that we're going to be talking about. But my first job is to introduce co-host Kathleen Beauvais. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you so much for that. And thank you all for tuning into our show. We so appreciate having you. And we are absolutely delighted to have this podcast for you today. And so today's guests all co-authored the book, The Most Amazing Marketing Book Ever. Now, this is a collaborative work by 36 marketing specialists worldwide. The book is now available in paperback, audiobook, and Kindle version. So I can urge you to just go and get that book as soon as you can. We're going to start right. We're going to jump right in with our first guest, Valentina Escobar Gonzalez. Hello, Valentina. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Kathleen. I'm super excited to be here today. (laughs) Now, Valentina is a seasoned marketer, social media strategist, speaker, and marketing educator specializing in helping individuals and their businesses build authentic connections with social media. She also deeply understands digital content, social media platforms, social listening practices, and digital marketing strategies with over 10 years of experience in the world of social media. So Valentina, tell us about your chapter in the book about becoming memorable and intentional on Instagram. Thank you, Kathleen. I am on chapter 18. And just like you said, it's on Instagram. I'm so proud to be part of this amazing project with amazing individuals. So let's just get started with some Instagram stats. There is about 2.2 billion, with a B, billion, billion active monthly users. So this is a big platform right now where people are still using. There is about 500 million daily active users worldwide. And that's looking more like 800 million. That's an old stat. And 70% of shoppers check Instagram for their next purchase. And 83% of users state that Instagram helps them discover new products and services. And one final step, because I just love throwing numbers out there, 87% of people take action after seeing a product on Instagram. And the people that I work with are small business owners. So whenever I do a workshop or one-on-one consultation, I talk about being authentic, being who you are, communicating with customers. It's not like other social media platforms where you just walk in, you post something and you walk out. You have to be actively engaged to get a following. You have to put yourself out there. And that's the secret to success with Instagram. You put yourself out there, you know, by being consistent. That's something that if if I had to say a takeaway, that would be one big thing is being consistent. If we were all consistent, we would all be rich, healthy, successful. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing with, with Instagram. That's how it's supposed to be. Another thing that I talk about other than consistency is being active on stories. I go on a little soapbox that 
people sometimes don't participate or engage or even see your newsfeed posts. But if you're consistently posting on stories, and again, what I said earlier about 500 million was the last stat that they said about stories that people are using stories on a daily basis. We have to be active with stories. We have to use things that get people coming back. I always say in my workshops, uh, if I if I wasn't visiting my family right now, I'll be having a very sad, pathetic sandwich as lunch at the moment. And what I do is I turn on my Instagram stories and I actively get engaged and come back to the same people over and over. And Instagram recognizes those things. So how do you increase mm. engagement? You have to utilize the stickers, add the location, add hashtags. When you utilize just one hashtag, you get 70% more likes and about 392% more uh, comments. So this is such ah. a great thing is utilizing hashtags utilizing your stories, utilizing the stickers and stories, being consistent. There's a whole strategy when it comes to Instagram. So I just threw so many numbers out there. Kathleen, did you have any questions or Peter on Instagram? Uh, I have a, a very quick one. Um, I'm very guilty being an old guy and a boomer of thinking Instagram was just for kids. And it's only quite recently that we started doing anything on Instagram. Uh, and, and I realize I'm totally wrong that it's not just for kids, is it? I love my baby boomers. I live for my baby boomers because about uh, 10,000 of you all retire every day. So all you're like, you know what? I'm bored. Let me start a new business. So a lot of you all become my clients and I live for my baby boomers. But there is an, there is an audience. A lot of people leave Facebook because they want to see what their kids are doing on Instagram. And this is baby boomers right. included. They they join Instagram because yeah. they want to see what their, their son and their daughters are doing. But there is an opportunity to engage with your market. And I can tell you, it's different for every person. If you look at your analytics, if you have a business account, you can see who your audience is. And surprisingly, mm -hmm. a lot of my audience, and I live for my Gen Xers because they're young enough to know about social media, but they don't feel confident enough to be on social mm -hmm. media or utilize it. I'm looking at someone specifically. <laughs> so in our in our audience here, but I love Instagram and it does help to put yourself out there because there is they're all they're all there. The baby boomers, the Gen Xers, the Gen Zs, the millennials, we're all on Instagram. So when you Wow, that's good. So so when you say put yourself out there, is it mostly your your personality, you, or is it mostly about your business or your services? If you're going to be on Instagram, does one work better than the other? I have one account for both of my lives. So I have one for my one account that's personal and business at the same time. And I just marry them both because I don't have time to have two different accounts. Mm -hmm. So I want to put myself out there. I'm selling myself you know, people can hire me for my marketing consulting, but they want it. They buy from me. They know and trust and like me before they look at other people. And again, 87% of people will take action after seeing a product or even a service on Instagram. So it's imperative to put your authentic self out there. Wow. Very good. Well, we got to have a much closer look at Instagram, Kathleen. Yeah, Thanks so. very much for that, Valentina. Thank you for that. And our next author, a collaborative author, is Larry Aronson. Larry is a systems and technology consultant based in Midtown Manhattan. We're going all over the North America with, with this show today. He's the author of the first web development book, HTML Manual of Style, and he's a pioneer of online education and community development. Larry, you are the author of Chapter 23. So tell us about your chapter, The Magic of Search Engine Optimization. Over to you, Larry. No, thank you, uh, Peter, and thank you, Kathleen, for this opportunity. Um, uh, first of all, I want to say that I'm the odd man out in this community because I'm not a marketer. 
I'm a business systems analyst. I've got a big, long programming um, uh, background, and uh, and I don't spend that much time promoting myself or being on social media. Um, but um, my wife does know Mark, and uh, I had met him previously. So when he formed this community, which was a wonderful idea, um, I joined uh, through using a QR code and a social token. We all got this space, and Mark kept it together through the crypto crash. And then uh, Dan, uh, who you uh, speak to soon, uh, came up with the idea of a joint book on marketing. Plans came together. And when the spreadsheet was put out with the possible titles and who might want to do which, I said, well, there's no chapter on search engine optimization. So they said, okay, yours. So that's how that came about. And it was a pleasure to write uh, and, and work with developing all these people and to see what it's really like. But I'll get into my chapter, uh, The Magic of Search Engine Optimization. Um, everybody thinks they know it, but it's a lot more complicated and yet simple, too. There is, first of all, discovery, which has to happen using all the other techniques of marketing, whether it's word of mouth, whether it's social media like Instagram, whether it's your printed communication. So you have to have some awareness. And then it's findability. How do people want to find the content that you're publishing? How do they want to find how to get in touch with you? How do they want to find out information about your products and services? And where that intersects with your audience, their intents, and what they're looking for, with the different characteristics of the way they search, whether it's Google or Wikipedia or using maps. A lot of people search through maps. People search on social media. And in store sites, Amazon is a big social media, mm -hmm. uh, a big social media platform in that it uh, uh, makes available huge amounts of search and has reviews. And uh, a lot of people go through there to find products and product information. So once you know that, it, that intent and the context and where they are in your purchase funnel, then you can optimize the content that you publish. And that's including the content that you write, the content that you cur curate from other sites. Um, and it's not just the website that's optimized, but it's your email communications, your written communications, your social media posts. All of this goes into the big world of searching and findability. Now, you have to talk about Google, of course, since something like 90% of all searches go through their platform one way or the other. And often it doesn't relate to direct traffic back to your website since Google caches results and has featured snippets and other things to keep you on their page, but their advertising instead of your page where your product services and your advertising is. But it still builds awareness. It's still to get into the search engine result pages and have a good high ranking. There's a lot of things you can do with your communications getting important and concise, very focused keywords in your opening contact headings, the alt descriptions in your images, um, and as well as your social media profiles, because Google and other search engines uh, scan profiles. I don't know if they scan posts, but I think they, but I'm sure they do scan your, your profile of you and your company. And get all of that aligned so that it supports your brand, so that it's a consistent messaging and style across all of your communications, and then making it sync. By that, I mean 
got to speed up a website, make sure that there's nothing just getting loaded and happening and on every page, even though it's only used on the one page. Make sure that you have a consistent path towards a call to action uh, and that your pages really convert. Because if your pages, that last page, if it doesn't convert, then everything else you do up to that point is kind of wasted. Mm-hmm. So that's in a kind of nutshell. Um, I'd love to take a question. Well, I, I got one for you. G- given the inflationary and somewhat uncertain times that we seem to be heading into, of, of all the things you've been talking about, what's the one area that you would say small business owners should be concentrating on right now? And again, let me add a, a subsequent one. Google have changed the way that we look, look at the analytics as well. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> taking those two as into consideration, what should our audience be looking at today to try and help them improve their businesses? I'll give you that in the third. The first one was um, was uh, the most important thing you can do is establish your expertise in a niche that's unique mm-hmm. to you. Get high conversion under a small audience is better than getting ultra low conversion over a wider audience. It's cheaper once you right. establish and find that community. And you have to do that research. Um, the second question you had, um, oh, I'm sorry, remind me again. Uh, the, the change in, in how we interpret Google Analytics with their new system that came in 1st July. Uh, it's the GA4, Google Analytics 4, mm-hmm. is more about the transitions and the transactions from one state to another. So you know how your customers get to you, the path they take. Funnel is an overused word, but it, it serves as one image. Um, okay. And if you're on a WordPress site, uh, if that's what you're promoting all your content on, mm-hmm. then just get SiteKit by Google as a plugin. It gives you all your analytics for most small businesses right in your uh, WordPress dashboard. If you're a bigger company with lots of items in the catalog, of course, you'll need a much more complex and comprehensive solution. But um, SiteKit, uh, which I have been installing on a couple of my customers who have come to this lately, um, uh, seems to please them very great and gives you what you're looking for. And the last thing I wanted to talk okay. about is voice. Um, my wife and I got into the voice community in 2019 and managed to discover that there's a whole world of both programmers that are working in the Alexa and Google mm-hmm. uh, assistant space, plus linguists who have been working in the interactive voice assistance and response unit space and analysis and everything. And essentially, uh, as we go towards the metaverse and the internet of things, uh, the keyboard's not going to do it. People are going to be talking and listening, right? More than they type. And, And that means you have to Think about how they are talking to these devices and whether they're typing into chat GP or talking into their smartphone, just, just ask for directions or whatever. They're making full, complete sentences and the qualities of their voice can be analyzed in such a way that you can do some advanced sentiment analysis. And on the back end, when you speak back to them, you can tailor a voice, um, and see, uh, how, you know, to, to, to work and and build trust. Wow, thanks, Larry. Well, there's three really good tips for our audience to look at. Sorry, my hearing is awful. 
The WordPress plugin for analytics that you mentioned, is it SiteKick? S-I-T-E space yep. K-I-T. Okay. Kit. Okay, got it. Thank you very much. Thanks for that. Back to you, Kathleen. All right. Well, our next guest is Dan Nessel. He, uh, welcome, Dan. Hi, Dan- Kathleen. It's good to see you. And Peter, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. Dan is an award-winning global communications and marketing innovator and leader with over 20 years of success in B2B services, manufacturing, finance, and education. His broad areas of expertise include digital communications, integrated marketing communications, content marketing, social media strategy, and brand storytelling. So Dan, tell us about your chapter on strategic communications. Well, thanks. Thanks for setting the stage and and pumping me up like that. I, I wonder who wrote that bio. Um, I think <laughs> I, like, I am I, well, I am a storyteller after all. So if I can't tell a story about myself, who can I tell a story about? Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I've been in the in this you know in this business of of connecting with audiences in many in various kinds of audiences for over twenty something years, and and um, since the time of David Meerman Scott's fantastic new rules of of marketing and PR. Um, you know, my world shifted into this whole idea that, you know, marketing and PR should be together, um, that a lot of the tactics that we see uh, in in PR and, and, and you know, now we're, we're calling it strategic communications more often is uh, are, are tactics and strategies that should be employed more by marketers um, and by business owners. And while we were putting this whole book together, it, it sort of occurred to me, well, first of all, you know, I'm also kind of an island in the community in that I'm really the only, uh, you know, or not anymore, but I was at the time, the only PR guy around. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been in the PR slash communications world for the last, for the last at least several, eight, seven or eight years of my career, more focused in that space. Um, and, you know, I, I, it's, it occurred to me that this is part of the, the PR and communications discipline should be part of every marketer's toolkit, um, no matter what kind of a, organization or business um, you are, you know, you're working for, whether it's yourself or whether it's a large organization, doesn't matter. Um, and the reason is um, because of a small thing we call trust. And mm-hmm. um, that's where I really go with the chapters. I decided to focus in just on that, on that concept of trust because we it's overused and overspent. Um, and how can, you know, how can we take this, this idea uh, and, leverage it or or understand it so that we can actually create a competitive advantage or 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 more like embrace the competitive advantage that we should have if we are a trustworthy brand or person or company right um so thinking of, of it from that end um you know our business in martin pr and communications really is about reputation protection reputation building and that all centers around trust you know, mm-hmm. early on, uh, Valentina, I think, brought up that um, 2.2 billion users, the 2.2 billion daily average users or something of of Instagram. Um, and I ask you, how many daily average users are there of trust? Mm-hmm. Right. Almost like seven point something billion. Right. That's how many people there are on Earth. We all need to have we should have trust flowing through our mm-hmm. society, throwing through flowing through everything we do. But trust has been on the decline. And uh, we all know this, we can feel it, we can see it, um, ever present in social media for sure, in the political environment we're, we're in. So we need to consider very carefully how we connect with our audiences in such a way that we can we can either earn their trust 
or maintain their trust in this environment where, where the kind of default is, I'm not sure if I trust you. So how does mm-hmm. that happen? Um, and, you know, I think that uh, PR and communications is probably one of the, one of the levers that you can pull uh, to understand how to build trust for you and your brand. Um, you know, I, I start off the chapter talking about the Edelman Trust Barometer, and which, by the way, has has recently been updated, but still, uh, but still um, enforces reinforces the point that it might be counterintuitive, but actually, of all the institutions out there, businesses are still among the most trusted. We're more trusted; business mm-hmm. is more trusted than government. Certainly, more trusted than media, which is in the pits, um, and. And it's it's almost as trusted as as any other institution. The only thing that's like I think more trusted than businesses are people like you, you know, people, which I wouldn't consider people institution. But among the institutions, if you if you know that your business has the potential to be trusted, then take the time, look at what you're doing, look at how you're representing yourself, and focus in on how you're going to build trust to build that competitive advantage. So in the chapter, I talk about you know, 10 things that you can do or 10, 10 ways that maybe you should be thinking uh, about trust and then how you can bring those uh, to bear for your own business and for your audiences. And a lot of it's about really things that marketers are uncomfortable with because they're not immediately measurable things. Um, like for example, um, have good sense and good intentions. We think we know what that is, mm-hmm. but you know, good sense and good intentions is the where you, it's a starting point. Um, how do you understand that your audiences are not audiences, but they're stakeholders and a stakeholder could be your buyers. It could be your employees, right? It could be, uh, your, your fellow congregants in a church or, or, or synagogue. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. These are your stakeholders, um, your family. Uh, how do you, um, you know, how do you connect the ideas of, um, of your employees into trust? Like how do you activate employees to get into trust? How do you, how do you understand the fact that people aren't into conversion anymore. They want conversation. And um, conversation is really a sp- specific domain. I think that PR communications has a has superpowers in. So like, mm-hmm. how can we help our businesses to be better communicators by being better con- conversationalists and, you know, making certain choices that make you more human across, across uh, the things that you do. So all of these things, I think, um, ladder up into reputation. And of course, there's things like how do you deal with a crisis? Um, you know, how do you measure reputation? All these, all these things are important. Uh, but um, that's really where I go with my chapter. I, I feel like I've wound around a little bit here, Peter. Um, but um, you know, if there's, if you have any questions about it at this time, I, I think you know, I, I have. It's probably easier for me if I'm talking about conversation. It's easier for me to have a conversation than a than a lecture in some ways. So, <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think you've done very well from from my perspective, Dan. Mm-hmm. You've done very well, and and uh, and we're certainly seeing in the people that we interview on the show uh, this decline in trust for institutions and and in our personal lives. We see it up here for in sure. Canada. We see it huge distrust of the media and, and government, particularly our current government. Uh, but let's not get into politics. I, I have a question for you, which is, is sure. not specific, but I think it's relevant. And that is, you, you have a lot of experience with working with a Japanese company right. and with marketing and in in Asia. Is yeah. there a major difference in how Japanese marketers go about establishing trust or nurturing trust compared to North American marketers? Is there a cultural difference? And is one more effective than the other? I'm just interested. Ooh. Well, I think you're going to have to invite me back for a whole show about that. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in reality, yes, there are. And and a lot of that has to do with the way that people, um, you know, communicate from 
culturally from the beginning. They're they're mm-hmm. a collectivist communication society. It doesn't mean they're they're communists or they're collectivists in general, sure. but but the way that um that uh, that the Japanese and a lot of Asian cultures approach things is with a consensus building approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and they often have trust built into the system uh, amongst themselves, amongst their social connections before they even get to the table. Um, so when you, when you, when you are a brand or when you are a person trying to break into that society or, 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 or sell a product, building that trust means getting into that consensus more. You're right. That's a little, right. it's a yeah. little bit different. Um, this, the things that can hurt trust are the same things that can hurt tr- trust sure. anywhere. Um, I feel like the Japanese uh, in my own experience are, are, are quicker to forgive um, mm-hmm. when, when, when they are asked uh, uh, with a sincere, when it's uh, well, a sincere apology goes a very, very long way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but that's a, I think a broad generalization. It's, it's a sure. very, you know, it's a very uh, it, there. Are, so there are differences in the way that certainly. We no, thanks, thanks, Dan. And and again, we probably need to get you back to to have a whole episode on that because I'm sure, sure a lot of people would find it interesting. So yeah, thank you very much. Did you want to? I, th- I thought there, I forgot to say there was one actionable item that I wanted yes, to point out. Um, I apologize for for not getting to that uh, earlier. Don't worry. But I did want to say something very simple that's not in the book, and that I think anybody out there who, whether you're a PR person or a marketer, doesn't matter, kind of an oldie but goodie which is, are you checking your reputation? Are you, are you Googling yourself every day uh, or your brand? Do you have mm-hmm. alerts set to, uh, you know, to, to monitor what's being said about you and your brand in the marketplace? Very simple, actionable, can make it happen r- like while you're even listening to this, set an alert sure. for your name, for your brand, um, to monitor the activity that's going on around about you to make sure that your trust is solid. Very, very good idea. And and I, I must confess, I do that. And the downside of that, when you have a common name like mine, there's some infinite, infamous Peterites in the world. And <laughs> one has to make sure one doesn't get too alarmed by some of the news items that Google Alerts kicks out. Anyway, uh, but you. it's a good point. It's a good point. Thank you, Dan. Uh, our next collaborative author is Zach Seifert. Zach's the marketing and communications specialist for the Central Utah Water Conservancy District. And Zach knows how to get important messages seen, heard, and most importantly, understood in today's fast-paced world. He currently serves as a training committee member for the Government Social Media Membership Council. And Zach is the author of Chapter 27. So, Zach, can you tell us about the secret power of word-of-mouth marketing? Yes, thank you so much, Kathleen and Peter, for having me on the show. This has been great listening in to all the other authors and the, their insights and backstories. Um, so I will be 100% transparent. I did not want to write about word of mouth marketing from the <laughs> get-go. But when, uh, as Larry mentioned previously in his section, as uh, the uh, spreadsheet was put out there and the community members that were interested in uh, writing a chapter or putting their names on the subjects, um I found that they were flying off the shelves, uh, much like a holiday sale. They were just going quick, quick, quick. <laughs> and so uh, I saw Facebook get taken right before my eyes. I saw a couple others get taken right before my eyes. And I settled with word of mouth marketing. But settle is not the right word because word of mouth marketing is so important. And it's so important, uh, even more so today, I would argue. Mm-hmm. And I kind of get into that a little bit in the, the chapter, um, how this overarching idea that we've been talking about with uh, the other authors today, the idea of trust and how mm-hmm. trust is a hundred percent associated with a word of mouth um, recommendation from a friend. And um, 
I I didn't put this in the book, but since writing the chapter, I've been pondering word of mouth uh, a lot, uh, as you can imagine, as I've been invited to do shows like this or talk about my uh, contribution to the book. And I have come to the conclusion that I think there's going to be a word of mouth renaissance, if you will, here in the near mm-hmm. future. And this is largely because, as again, we mentioned the lack of trust in communities and the lack of trust in um, our businesses and government. I'm lucky enough to be one of those suckers in the government right now (laughs) (laughs) dealing with the lack of trust. And it is an uphill battle, let me tell you. Um, But a word of mouth recommendation, as I mentioned, comes with a certain level of trust because you are putting uh, your reputation on the line when you mentioned a a brand or a product or a service to a friend. And uh, that that level of trust carries across over to with that recommendation. And I also think that this renaissance um, will come about in, with uh, word of mouth due to technological advances. We saw uh, just since writing this book and getting the idea uh, across of writing it, chat GPT came out mm-hmm. and Mid journey came out and all these other AI tools that come out almost on the daily and it's where do we turn? What is true? What's not true? Uh, in the community, we saw somebody posted, I can't remember who it was. I believe it was Spencer, maybe Dan even, um, images of politicians doing things that are wildly in, inappropriate. And they were all deep fakes created mm-hmm. by somebody using this artificial intelligence. So word of mouth uh, marketing has always been important, but it's even more important in today's world. And um, the the tips and insights I give in, in my chapter, I think, are perfect for um, small business owners, entrepreneurs who want to dabble in word of mouth and kind of uh, take this approach uh, into a medium that is underused and under discussed in marketing. And uh, super excited to be part of this project and super proud of the work that our communities put together into this book. Excellent. And and uh, am I right in saying that word of mouth is probably the oldest uh, method of marketing, if you think back, because we had Jeff Tarrant on Monday just talking about direct direct uh, mail being a very old method, and, and he's absolutely right. But if, if you think back to the days before people had things to write on, uh, one person talking to the next was word of mouth marketing, right? 100%. I think, and I mentioned this in the book, it's it's been around for millennia, arguably, mm-hmm. um, since civilizations itself have, communities have been built and the families and um, different people have organized themselves in the communities. Uh, you think about um, when civilization first began, there was, there was fishermen, there was bakers, there was butchers. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew their butcher by name. I don't know who the butcher is at my local Walmart anymore, um, but... Yeah. Word of mouth is definitely still important, and it's definitely something that needs to be um, thought about here. And it could be a differential, a differentiation factor for lots of businesses, especially small businesses today. Absolutely. And another important point, a lot of people think word of mouth is only applicable to um, consumer marketing, but it's equally important in business to business marketing. And I think back to my farming days in Africa uh, 30, 40, 40 years ago, and at the monthly cattle sale, one farmer would talk to the next about which cattle to be used, and, oh, well, I like that guy because his company looks after me, boy, and, and he'd done the sale for them, you know, so it's applicable, certainly, in industrial marketing. Thanks exactly. very much. Thanks very much, Zach. We, we have a couple of minutes. Has anyone got a, a question for someone else or a snippet or a general comment about being involved in the project that they would like to throw in before we finish off? 
I have something to say. Sure. Yeah, go for go it. Ahead. Buy the book. It's really good. <laughs> oh, and, and I forgot that. Uh, well, thank you for that. In the it's, description of whatever platform you're looking at this on or listening to this, you will see a link to get the book from Amazon. And Kathleen knows what format it comes in. What was it? Uh, I forgot. Yes. yes. As I mentioned earlier, it comes in paperback, audio paperback. book, and Kindle versions. Kindle. Mm-hmm. It's an essential guide for any business that wants to be bigger business. Wants yep. to grow and wants to develop their market. It really Absolutely. is. I've been amazed at reading my co-authors' chapters. Every one of them is solid yep. and in sync. I'll reinforce that. And and what I really like about it, compared to most business books, in every chapter you've got ten tips. And even if only five of those are applicable to you and your business today, that's more you get than you you're getting in ten other marketing books put together. So mm-hmm. I like the way it's put together. There's lots of really good advice in there. So buy the book, as Larry said. Well, Kathleen, I'm going to send it back to you to finish off. Great. And thank you all so very much for joining us today. It was an absolute privilege having you on the show. So good luck to all of you. As as we mentioned again, go out and buy this book. It is a must-have for any small business entrepreneur. Really, it is. And thank you again for tuning into our show. We so appreciated having you. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, we invite you to visit our website at theyackingshow.com. All you need to do is click on the Contacts tab where you will find a short application form and we would love to hear from you so until next time take care everyone bye-bye bye